Hello, and welcome to episode 75 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And first of all, I'm going to start off with some big news that I don't think James knows about. Okay. This past week, we hit 20,000 downloads of the podcast. Holy that's a lot. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to us for 75 episodes. Much appreciated. Yeah. 20,000. That's that's like... A lot, a lot. <laughs> that is a lot, a lot. <laughs> I was like, I was like, huh, we're probably gonna break twenty thousand this week. And then I went back and checked. I was like, oh, we're at like twenty point three thousand. Okay, cool. We guess we did it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. So this week, I think our main topic is going to be Arena Cube. Yeah. But we're gonna start off first with well, you know the the uh. uh players the tour event that never happened the, yeah, the event that no one knew about yeah so if you want to uh send us your thoughts on the event that wasn't you can tweet at us at casual tripod yep you can hit us up on facebook at casual tryhard mtg as always you can drop us an email show at casual tryhard mtg.com uh, don't forget if you're looking to pick up some singles you can do that through our tcg affiliate link it's tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com uh, anything that you purchase after following that link, we will get a very small sliver of to help keep the show going. If you would like to support us a little bit more directly, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Uh, we also recorded our first pre-show just now for our patrons. That'll be going up uh, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. We'll see what happens there, either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, yeah. We also have a Patreon-only finance room in our Discord. Um, our Patreons get the little perk of, you know, our very small amount of finance knowledge and specs that we have. But it is something. I also try and post our show notes there. Um, I believe they typically go up Wednesday mornings, just in case you want to get a sneak peek about what we're going to be talking about that week. Also, yeah, our Discord. Uh, make sure you check that out. There should be a link in the description for this, as well as Facebook and Twitter. There's a link to our Discord there. If you can't find the link, by all means, drop us a line, and we'll try and get you one that way. Yeah, we've had people ask some rules questions, ask about cards, ask mm -hmm. about other Not Us podcasts to listen to, which is allowed, I guess. Um, yeah, that was really weird, because like, I'd never heard of most of those podcasts. So Yeah, people are going, like, I've listened to a few of them just, like, randomly. Like, if there's a topic that, like, strikes me and it's, like, on YouTube, I'll be yeah. like, all right, I've got, like, an hour to kill. Mm -hmm. Especially especially now that, like, I can't leave the house. Like, there's yeah. a lot more times where, like, I've got an hour to kill. <laughs> Let sure. me listen to this while I do something else. Might as well have this on while you're playing Arena Cube, right? Yeah. And I am sure that there will be some YouTube content uh, coming your way shortly with core 20 coming out. Yeah. Um, if I get in a good headspace to record an arena cube, my track record is it might be very short where it might, <laughs> might be long. There's, it's either like short or medium. And if I really try, really, really try, it can go long. <laughs> but uh, they, there have been some stinkers in there. I'd yeah. feel really bad to talk my way through the draft and then O three, and just be like, it's I don't a really know. Weird format, so I don't think you should feel too bad. Yes, yeah, like I don't know why this didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah. 
But we're going to try to get the Core 21 episode recorded a little early so there's a little more time to edit. Not that it'll come out earlier, but maybe instead of recording it Monday or Tuesday, the week before the set comes out, we can get it done this week or something. Yep. Because I think aren't previews done way earlier this time? Well, see, they've been changing the whole timeline lately. But yeah, I think this time the previews are done. They're going to be done on Tuesday. The What's Tuesday? The 16th, which mm-hmm. is like five days sooner than normal. Yeah, because... Four days sooner than normal or something well, like that. I think they have to like shoehorn the Jumpstart previews in there. Oh, Jumpstart. Real quick while we're on Jumpstart. I know we got some other stuff to talk about here, but I saw a press release today from Wizards, and I don't know... like I hadn't seen anybody talking about it, and it was just kind of like something thrown into a different press release. So I don't know like if I just read it wrong or if it's something they're actually doing or what. But there was a thing that they put out today about them having delays in getting product out. Did you see that? No, I did not. Okay, so I guess like because, you know, the country shut down, parts of it are still and, you know, companies still aren't 100% open yet, yada, yada, yada there's going to be some delays in getting product to stores. Okay. They made an announcement for that saying, you know, we're going to do our best to try and get product out, but these are some of the delays that you might be experiencing and what to expect or whatever. Buried in that announcement, they said that for the release of Core 21, part of the BioBox promo is two Jumpstart packs. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I hadn't heard anything about that, and no. I hadn't seen anybody talking about it either. Huh. Yeah. Well, that and, could... Like, I'm actually kind of excited for Jumpstart. Like, yeah. I think it's a, you know, breath of fresh air, something different. Yeah. I mean, another reason to buy a Core 21 pack uh, box as opposed to uh, just helping out your local game store is it does, if it comes with two Jumpstart packs and a hanger back walker. Um... Maybe. It depends what your store decides to do with the hangerback walkers. Uh, well, I was just on Wizard's site, and it was like, if you buy a box, you get Well, right, this. but it doesn't specify what box. Oh, so they might try to move something else. Yeah. They're, the promos have been at store discretion, so I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't put it out there that every store is going to do the same thing, because I don't know if they are. Okay. So, but yes, they uh, stores have hangerback walkers and reliquary tower promos that they are, you know, to give out at their discretion. I think Wizards suggested that the hangerbacks were buy a box and the reliquary towers were like event promos. But even them having said that, I still think it's up to the store's discretion. Okay. So we're going to start with, I guess, the first half of the players, the regional players store. What do you mean by first half? There's another one this weekend. Yeah, I, I think there's one. The I think that's four weekends in a row, isn't it? I think there's more than just two. There's. I thought there was. There are four of them. Yeah. So okay. So there are. Oh, where's it at? Upcoming events. There is Players Tour three on June 19 and 20, and Players Tour four June 20 and 21. Well, so, isn't June 20 and 21 also pre-release? Uh, maybe. And then there's the Players Tour Finals in July. I'm just looking at the upcoming oh, events no. on Magic.gg. 
20 and 21 is this weekend. Yeah, that's what I mean. This uh, this weekend, okay. you've got yeah. 19 and 20, and then 20 and 21. Oh, so, okay, I got you. So there are four total. So there were two this past weekend. There were two this past weekend. Gotcha. So there, there was um, Players Tour 1 and then Players Tour 2. Yeah. So first of all, I didn't watch a lot of it. My my leaving of my house in the end times is to just go for a walk. Yeah. Um, and so when I was on my walk, I had like Twitch on the background in, in on the background on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I tried to listen to it, which I sounds weird. But I just listen to random magic enough that I can like, you know, you can make sense of coverage without having to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can get a sense of what's going on. And like, when I started, they were just apologizing for how laggy it was. And like people were like their audio was cutting out. Yeah. And um, when I did watch a little bit of it, like Huey looked like he was ready to take a nap <laughs> the whole time, which is kind of like kind of leaning to the side, like slumped down in his chair. And yeah. like he would move and you would just hear like every fiber in his clothing rustle. <laughs> and I was just like, are you like, like you have the, the mic on under your shirt? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so like, it was like, I understand we're all at home yeah. and this is like bootstrapped, but it was kind of hard to watch with like the lag and people cutting out and stuff. Yeah. Like the coverage was kind of disjointed too. It was hard to get a grasp on like kind of how the tournament was progressing because like they have the ability because everything's like streamed or whatever to like jump in and out of basically whatever match they want. Yeah. And just because you can, doesn't mean you should like it, it made it kind of hard to follow because they were jumping around so much. Yeah. You need that, like the continuity, the kind of like, cause yeah. when they do like the live look-ins in paper, like yeah. it is hard to like get your head around what is going on. Mm-hmm. And while arena might display it a little bit, better it's also gonna move quicker right and like you don't have time to figure out like while this guy's drawing his card let me figure out what's on this board or what's going on Mm -hmm. and it's like oh cards drawn we've cast a spell we're attacking oh god did he have good attacks i don't know (laughs) hadn't made it that far yet yeah like you just it's hard if they're jumping around so like i didn't watch a lot of it and uh I don't know if you saw Saffron Olive's tweet roasting uh, magic coverage. No, I didn't. It was just two pictures side by side. Uh, One was an article talking about how the first Mythic Invitational got 100,000 concurrent views. Yeah. And then the views from this this event, which was like he just picked a random time and it was like 3,400 people watching the actual magic stream. Wow. And 1,200 people total on Twitch watching magic. Like just like in under the Twitch heading of magic, it was like 1,200. Wow. And he was like, this is what happens when you don't buy views. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a jump, but. Well, I mean, I mean, there's reasonable evidence that they bought views for the uh, the mythic invitational well yeah they like embedded it in ads or whatever yeah out there but um that tournament was also way more publicized than this was way more publicized and someone pointed out like the production values are like not even comparable 
Yeah, they had like pyrotechnics shows and stuff. Yeah, one was watchable. <laughs> exactly, one was watchable and one was a train wreck. Yeah, so we've we've said our piece about like coverage, and we but we can talk a little bit about actually how the tournament went, at least what the meta game was. A little bit, yeah. And okay, another thing I don't like is depending on who does their their like metagame article mm-hmm. you get different information okay because like the information you have for pro tour online one has the conversion rate right and for the other one for, for pro tour two it didn't have the conversion rate it had the day one and day two percentage of the meta huh. and i'm sure i could have like worked backwards and figured out the uh the conversion, conversion rate, rate. But that sounded too much like work. Yeah. So I didn't. But so the deck with the highest conversion rate mm-hmm. at uh, Players Tour Online 1 was Mono, Mono Green. Green 100%. Three players went in. Three players went to day two. I have no idea what they played other than Forest and I assume Questing Beast. Yeah, it was Questing Beast, Lovestruck Beast. I want to say Yorvo, but I don't know if that's probably true. Yorvo. They love they love yeah. that card and like the two drop, the green, the green, green two two. Yeah, Sir Farron. Sir Farron, like I on Arena decklist, they were like Sir Farron's busted. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. pump your pump your brakes. I have this cool card called Shock. It's also <laughs> busted. Uh, apparently, that was uh, the hot tech. I don't actually know how well the deck performed on day two. Um, I mean, none of it made it to top eight. Yeah. Doesn't mean it performed poorly, but none of it made it to top eight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all three players made it to day two. Do you know who one of the players was? I do not. Mr. Cedric Phillips. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ced, Ced was on Mono Green? He was, yeah. I mean, I guess that's like modern Kithkins. Yeah, kind of. It's it's an aggressive deck that only uses basic lands, like right in his wheelhouse. <laughs> like Pelt Collector into i assume paradise druid into quest db is a hell of a curve yep attack you for all the damage mm-hmm. um so we had mono green then we had uh jun sack was 15 percent of the day two field i think uh i think it was day one field. day well to 15 percent with yep. a 56 percent conversion rate to day two yeah i didn't uh, i didn't transfer all of the data over think that all of it necessarily mattered yeah it was 15 percent of the field with a 56 percent conversion rate so that's pretty good that is and pretty it good like a reasonable percentage of the field so i i included it there yeah there was a i think there were a few different builds some that had a bolus of citadel or two yeah uh, some were in um companions there were a couple different companions gigantha was the one that got run yeah it had a few like different versions mm-hmm. then we have a uh, bant ramp which was eight yep. percent of the field with a 70 percent conversion rate yeah and that was other than mono green and there was one, like one person registered like four color or something or other that also had a hundred percent conversion rate but like with you know just one person playing that doesn't mean a whole lot that's why i didn't include it here but bant ramp had the highest conversion rate other than mono green and then we had uh, the deck of the weekend. Yeah. Teamer Wreck. Team Wreck. 
It was 40% of the field with a 55% conversion. Oh, yeah. a blue-green deck? Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, we have here fun standard. Fun, healthy standard. Lol. Yeah, fun, healthy standard. Team yeah. wreck. So the top eight of players tour uh, one was mm-hmm. six copies of Team wreck. <laughs> and two copies of Bant Ramp. And two copies of Bant Ramp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least they can read the, uh, read the stage direction here. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, so, as we have known for the last year and a half, blue and green cards are uh, poorly balanced. Yeah, they're a little bit better than the rest of them. They're a little bit better than the rest of the cards. Yeah. LSV had a tweet that was uh, interesting, mm-hmm. which was in the 24-year uh, history of the PT, no card has ever put 32 copies into the top eight. So this is not counting basic lands. Not counting basic lands. And no... 32 copies means that there were four in every deck. We had 32 growth spirals. Yep. And 32 breeding pools. Uh-huh. And 31 fabled passages. Yeah, so almost three cards set that record this weekend. Who did such extensive testing? They were like, no, three fabled passages. Because <laughs> it's just one person who played three, right? Like, who was the person that was like, "I only need three. I'm good." No, no, no. Extensive testing. Except three, not four. Three. We clearly have a best color pair. Yeah. Remember when Growth Spiral was was spoiled? We were like, "Isn't this just a better explorer? Isn't this just like modern playable?" Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like how much modern play it's seeing. But it is, like, wildly overpowered. For standard, it is. I guess I don't really know if it's seeing play in modern. It's been so long since I checked in with modern. Yes, you say, has anyone played modern in the last, like, six months? Like, the only deck that probably wants it is Titan, right? Uh, yeah, Amulet Titan. Yeah, and I don't even know if they play it. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like, if you take Explore, if you make it an instant, right? apparently instant speed Explore is too good for standard. I guess. Uh, did Teamer Wreck win? Um, it did. It was a Teamer Wreck mirror in the finals. Oh, boy. Just a bunch so. of people hitting land drops and then someone falling asleep. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, so we had the Teamer Wreck finals in the first one. Now, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I was listening to Simon Gertzen talk to uh, Brian David Marshall, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we we're on Team Iraq. Like, we didn't think there'd be a lot of aggro. We didn't think that Team Iraq would be 40% of the field. That's kind of unprecedented. And I'm like, fool. Oko was 70% of the meta game like nine months ago. Yeah. Like, like la- was it last December? October, November? Because we were yeah. in Richmond. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it was like, it's like, no, no. Like, blue and green cards were 70% of the meta game. Uh, yeah. Not too long ago. And then before that, a robot and a field of the dead were like 50% of the metagame. Yep. So we're going to talk about Golos, the robot, here in a bit. And then, like, we also had the Pro Tour right before that was Hogak, right? Yeah, it was all Hogak. Yeah. It was like 40%. And it's like, no, this happens all the time because 
one or two cards are just out of whack with the rest yeah. of the field. And the team or wreck being so good here kind of falls in line with what I had said before, which was we were just going to go back to like, you know, pre Icoria standard. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah. And like uh, Simon Gertson had pointed out in his interview that if you ban cards out of uh, the top tier of decks mm-hmm. and you don't ban cards out of one of the top tier. Right. It's probably the best deck. Yeah. And that's what happened, right? Like you lose fires, you lose agent. What was mm-hmm. the deck that was like number three? It was right. Teamer Wreck. Yep. And I guess you, and so it was like, you go back to Theros Standard, you ban two of the best decks, and you're just left with Teamer Wreck. And it's like, okay. So then we go to Players Tour Online number two. Yeah. Was this one any better? I don't know if I watched any of it. Yeah, I don't think any of it. But the metagame breakdown, Team Rec was 30% of day one. Okay. And 39% of day two. Ooh, that's pretty w- good. Wildly more diverse than the 40% in the other event. Yeah. Uh, um, Jun Sack was 10% of day one and like 12.5% of day two. Also pretty good conversion right there. Yeah. Bant was 8% of day one. And about 11% of day two. Mm-hmm. And then Sultai Ramp was 12% of day one and only 10% of day two. So uh, this Sultai Ramp, is that close to CTH Sultai? No, it's like, I think it's like Casualties of War. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's milling as much as it is um, uh, just like ramp, ramping into Casualties. Yeah, Nissa and Ramp. Yeah. Um, okay. I didn't put any other decks in here because yeah. after Saltai Ramp, it falls right off. It's yeah. There's not another deck in the double in double digits. Mm-hmm. So like what those four decks are almost seventy percent of the day two field, a little over. Oh uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, and so you're just wow, left that's crazy fighting for scraps. So the top eight was four team Rex, two Jun Sacks, one mm-hmm. Rakdos Sack. And one Sultai Ramp. So, I mean, at least the top eight was slightly more diverse. Yeah, so not just mono um, gross mono spirals. Yeah. yeah. My my note was uh, blue and green cards are busted. Yeah, just, just remember, I'd seen this posted around the internets a couple times, like last night and today, but just keep in the back of your mind that this standard was supposed to have Oko, Veil of Summer, Once Upon a Time... Agent of Treachery, like those were all cards that were supposed to be legal right now. You would not play anything other than forests and islands. Like you would just be an idiot. Yeah. To play anything but forests and islands. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. I don't know how they play tested the sets. I have no idea. So this coming weekend is players tour online, like we said, three and four. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting the meta to be different. Because I think Team Wreck has a giant target on its head. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was enough of the meta that it definitely deserves to be hard targeted. Like, yeah. you'd be silly to show up with a deck that couldn't beat Team Wreck. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what that deck is. I think people are talking about like mono red, things that get under it. Yeah. Because I think right now the Team Wreck builds, like, their flex spots seem to be um, like people that are playing uh, Night Pack Ambusher. Mm-hmm. and things like that and it's like well maybe you need to go back to your flame sweeps 
yeah. and the uh, the four mana Storm's Wrath mm-hmm. to clean up the aggressive stuff. So it's just going to be who makes the right call on what cards you need to have in your your main deck to shore up your, you know, if you think people are going to hard target target you and what, what do you need to change? Yeah. Wasn't, I mean, not that it solves the Simic cards are broken problem, but wasn't Simic Flash like had a reasonable matchup against Team Rec also? I think so. I mean, Team Rec's got to resolve a four mana yeah. a sorcery speed thing. Right. And like, you know when they're going to do their big expansion explosion. Right. So you can you can fight on that axis. Mm-hmm. I think it does have a good matchup. I don't know the I think the problem is if there is a lot of bant ramp. Yeah. Right? Then like you have the Teferi problem. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like you might be great against Team Wreck, but then you might not ever be able to beat like a Hollow Fountain. Yeah. That is one of the big problems of this format, right? Is Disdainful Stroke should be the best card in the best cyborg card in the format. Yeah, but it's just unplayable. Yeah, because you just like get it stuck in your hand and you look like a dope. Right. You're like, I'm going to bring in my disdainful stroke, and they're like, turn three to fairy, and you're like, oh, I mulliganed. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to mulligan. mulligan. Yeah, I'm sad now. So yeah, yeah. format not super diverse, but that's yep. kind of how standard has been, because like they keep pushing cards, but they keep messing up and not pushing all the cards equally. Right. Or it's like going back to uh, fire design, right? They look at, they push an uncommon for a draft. Mm-hmm. And I think they miss where it fits into standard. Yeah. And so like, you know, maybe grow spiral was an instant for draft. Mm-hmm. And then it became, you know, a standard staple and they weren't seeing right. that. Well, I mean, they had to know it was going to see play because they made it an FNM promo. I guess, but if they I, only expected to see it in limited, they're not going to make an FNM promo out of it. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they're like a lot of the cards that are missing, or that are that are pushing these strategies. A lot of them are not the rares. Yeah. Right. Wilderness reclamation, mm-hmm. uh, grow spiral, paradise druid, or boreal grazer. Yep. Right. Like you have all these cards that that aren't at higher rarities, and I don't know if they're just like slipping through, mm-hmm. or a knob gets changed on a rare for some reason, and they don't go back and relook at what that means for the rest of the set. Yeah, the stuff that supports it. Yeah, they're like, yep. oh, if we make if we take a mana off of Night Pack Ambusher, does that make it too good? Do we have to change Frilled Mystic? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well. They, they might not go back and look at that or whatever is happening. Yeah. And it, it but it seems like it's a consistent problem. Mm-hmm. So I was looking forward to trying to watch some of this, but I don't know. It just was so disjointed. I didn't really want to bother. Like I said, I, I, I did sit down and try and actually watch some and it was, it was difficult to watch because it was so hard to follow along with. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to change in like a week. Yeah, it's probably not going to. Yeah, I mean, benefit of the doubt, you know, everyone's doing this from, like, you know, Mm -hmm. their dining room table or whatever. Right. So, like, I understand that you're not going to get the best best thing here. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to dip our toes into a little bit of Twitter controversy. 
Okay. Brace yourself. I'm ready. Does a per, does a top eight at a player's store count for like a top eight? For a player store, you mean like a PT top eight? Yeah. Like a player store in general or this this online one in particular? Let's go player's store in general. I think so, yeah. So I think so as well. You know, I'm not a pro, but I look at it as people played to qualify for yep. this thing. So it's not like it's like a GP. Right. And then you did well in, you know, a medium to slightly bigger than medium field, like two to 400 players. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of drama because Ali Warfield made mm-hmm. top eight. Well, actually made top four. Yeah. And so all these people are like, it doesn't count because we're saying this because she's a girl is what the implication is. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's not right. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is the because she's a girl. Yeah. But there is a lot of, well, these don't count. These aren't like old PTs, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, Matt Sperling wrote a while back that he thought a top four was equivalent to a PT, an old style PT top eight, which I'm like, I don't know how winning one extra match right. changes it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, this has been the big top topic is I don't know if these count. Oh, I don't know. These are so different. See, and, the, the controversy that I had heard was that it was online, not necessarily that it's a player's tour instead of a pro tour. Yeah, I... Th- I had seen it where it was a player's tour, so okay. it doesn't count because it's different. And I'm just like, I don't know. Even if you want to like discount it, right, and say at the end that these people made the top 32 of like what would be a normal pro tour, mm-hmm. uh, that's still way better than like most, if not all of us, right. Right, so just like pump your brakes, people. Oh, go ahead. So if they think that this isn't like a PT top eight, what do they think it is? Um, I don't know. I don't know if people are trying to say it's more like a GP top eight, but like at a GP, like your first three rounds might be against like someone who's like twelve and chewing on their cards. No offense, twelve <laughs> year olds. Um, Noah had his stuff together, uh, but <laughs> yeah, thanks, Noah. Yeah, but. Right, you can get some really like random, you know, people right at, at the beginning of the tournament, mm-hmm. and you get like some randoms like me in your day too, right? Right, so it's not like it's this, um, like it's like a, this murderer's row, but like if you have a bunch of people who ground mythic, then we're top thousand, then one. A mythic invitational qualifier mm-hmm. right that to me seems like a bigger bar than well that's not what all of these were though right yeah well some of them were the like your regular qualification like you're like, yeah. at your fnm or not fnm but at like your local game store yeah it's your like wpn qualifier yeah yeah but i'm just saying like the qualification was still pretty rigorous right yeah, like the how many people were at the last uh, WPN qualifier we went to? Was that 80 to 100? Yeah, I was going to say. I think it was like an 80-man tournament at least. Yeah, and it's like, well, you, you, well, if this is 200 people, if I went to a 200-person uh, 
PT qualifier, does that, you know, does, you wouldn't count, count that as a top eight equivalent yep. to a pro tour. I said, yeah, but then only the people who won those 200 person qualifiers showed up to this thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the structure is different and it's going to be hard to like put into context. Yeah. Going forward, like, you know, a top eight of a, a regional pro tour uh, player store mm-hmm. is it might not be a hundred percent analogous to what an old PT top eight is. Right. But it's close enough. I think so. That people just need to like, let it go. Like this is the current system we have right now. And in six right. months, wizards might change it again. <laughs> but for right now, we've got what this. We got. Yep. And it's a hell of an accomplishment for, I don't know, anyone who wasn't playing forest. So good job. Racto sack person. <laughs> Congratulations. You did it without force or island. Yeah. I was going to like say something about like, good job. Like Rakdos and Jun sack. I was like, Nope. Jun plays forest. So yeah, but it doesn't play growth spiral. Yeah. Or breeding pool. Yeah. But it's just like, Oh, like this format, how long has forest been the best land in standard? Has it been like almost two years? Um, Probably, yeah. Like, so this time last year we were scape shifting people. Yeah. So not forest, but at least green mana. Yeah. Two years ago was guilds. Yeah, and so that, that was, was black like green, Goldari. black green, and then like is it Drake's were probably the two best decks. Yeah, I forget what the like is it Drake's came along later. Mm-hmm. I forget what the first deck was that was. It was kind of the foil or the the com- competition for uh, uh, um, Golgari. Still mono red, right? Yeah. With Chain Ruler. Oh yeah, yeah. And I guess we had like the Esper times. Uh, yeah. When uh, we got Kaya's Wrath, so I don't know. Maybe a year. Forest has just been the only thing to do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Usually Weird. there's churn. It's usually not just like we put a better card in my deck. It's like, oh, yeah. I got- and I mean, that's really the problem is we've had the same exact deck for so long now. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. I mean, we had Team Wreck when you just took all the turns. Yeah. And then, or I guess it was just Simic turns, right? Yeah. And then we had a brief lull without it. Then we got Expansion Explosion. And it's like, oh, no, now we're just Teamer and we just burn you out. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, we have Oko, so that's the only thing to do after we were scape shifting people. Yeah. So yeah, Forest it's and like the team reclamation deck, it was like, Oh, we'll give you Uro. Cool. Thank you. I guess that makes my matchup against aggressive decks like amazing. Right. And then oh, here's Sharknado. So now you can also use your mana to incidentally make you know an 8-8 that draws you a card on your opponent's end step. That flies. That flies. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. That they can't counter. Yeah. Thanks. That's exactly what I needed. Yep. So or heaven forbid you actually stick a Sharknado. Oh, God. Yeah. There was one one thing I did see in coverage. Someone had stuck a Sharknado, and I think they had like 10 tokens going yeah. in size from like 2-2 to 6-6. Wow. Yeah. Just like you did it. 
Yep. You, you done. Job. You done good. <laughs> All right. So that's our our pro tour wrap slash why is standard only blue and green cards portion of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So next we're going to talk about the arena cube, and I guess more in general cube drafting in general. Well, yeah, a little bit of both. We're going to talk about cube drafting in general a little bit, and then then particularly this cube. Yeah, so first of all, what is a cube? A cube is kind of a curated selection of cards to draft. Typically, they're singles, but I have seen cubes where they've doubled up also. Yeah, there was a recent Magic Online cube that just had more of the mana fixing, like double fetch lands and stuff. So mm-hmm. you could just like make your land work more. But a cube usually will have a theme, mm-hmm. right? Like you've heard of like the vintage cube, which is just the most powerful cards in ma- magic. You have yep. the legacy and modern cubes, which are um, limited to their particular sets or a particular mm-hmm. card uh, set. So it's like only legacy legal cards in the legacy cube, only modern legal cards in the modern cube. Right. Uh, Logan. Uh, has um, uh, a peasant cube, which is commons and uncommons. Mm-hmm. There'll be popper cubes. Yep, so, just commons. Yeah, and so whoever builds the cube can build it however they want, kind of what they are, what they want to do. Yeah, and, I mean, I've seen like, you know, block cubes where it's just like cons block or whatever. There's people that do uncubes that are just you know, the uncards, silver bordered cards, all sorts of different ways you can build one. So every cube is going to be a little bit different. The big thing with playing cubes online, as opposed to playing them in person, is that while you draft in a pod, mm-hmm. you're playing in a league. So right. normally, if you're drafting with your friend's cube at your local store, right? If you take a spell pierce... Mm-hmm. you know that there's not another spell pierce for someone to play. Right. Right. So if you tap your four mana for your migrations path and they have one blue mana up, you're like, they don't have spell pierce. It's fine. I know it's in my sideboard. Yeah. Uh, I got spell pierce. I was traumatized. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, this game ended. Um, but because you don't have that like security and knowing kind of what you saw and what you passed, like you lose, it's a different experience than in, than in a real cube because, right, you know, if you saw a glory bringer, right, mm-hmm. and you're at four, right, you know, you saw it and passed it, right, right, so you know the person that you're playing could have a glory bringer because you know it was opened, you know, it was like in the draft, yeah, so you like you have that in the back of your mind, whereas when you play like in a league, like, you know, on Arena or on Magic Online, you know that card is in the cube. Right. But you don't know if that card was opened and is, right. like, actually something to be played. So mm-hmm. we said, like, was opened. So cubes are usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 540 cards. Right. And it's just like a normal draft. So each player gets three packs of 15 cards. Yeah. So you only open, I'm trying to do the math in my head. 45 times 8. Yeah, 340 of mm-hmm. the 540 cards. So there are 200 cards each time the cube is opened that don't get opened. 
right that aren't seen so you don't know what those cards are mm-hmm. right your what got opened in your cube is going to be different than what got opened in someone else's cube right yep. the fact that there were extra cards gives the cube a little more variety mm-hmm. as You're opposed to thing every time yeah as opposed to knowing that oh I know that Lana War Elf is always going to be a card that I have a chance to draft, right? Because it's always going to be in the car in the pool of cards that's being drafted. It could be still in the cube box, right? So you just you don't know if someone has taken Lana War Elves mm-hmm. or if it just wasn't opened. Yep. So that just makes the cube experience a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Cubes have a pretty steep learning curve. Yeah, I, I mean, that kind of leads into what we're going to talk about next, right? Yeah, just how they're different from drafting uh, right. a regular set. Mm-hmm. So the first thing to realize is this isn't like drafting a Coria, right? Mm-hmm. One, it's always best to think about your cube deck as a singleton constructed deck. Yeah, the power level's a lot higher, and there's more like rares and mythics, and it's a lot more diverse. So you're not going to get like multiple copies of Migratory Greathorn or something, right? Yeah, but you are going to be able to draft a deck that has a cohesive plan mm-hmm. that, where the cards synergize and work together. Just like if you were playing a constructed deck, and I was like, what are you playing? And you'd be like, oh, I'm playing Bant Ramp. Right? It's like, yeah. okay, you're ramping into things, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to just say, like, oh, I'm playing Bant stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, draft decks in regular, for in, like, in like core set, yeah. I'm playing Bant cards. Right. Right? I'm playing a good five drop that's under-costed. I'm playing a good three drop with a so-so ability. Mm-hmm. Right? But they don't the three drop and the five drop really don't work well together. Right. It, it might've been uh, you know, a white five drop that gained you some life and a green three drop that like put a counter on something. Yeah. And it's like, they're good cards individually. Right. But they're not working together for the same plan. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a cube deck, you're trying to, or draft cards that are making a coherent plan. I, I played against, a deck that was just a hundred percent Simic Flash, mm-hmm. like the the Voracious Great Shark, uh, Frilled Mystic, Night Pack Ambusher, uh, just like all the all the Flash creatures, all the it was just you know a Singleton Standard deck. Yeah, right. So that's what you're trying to build. So the mistake everyone kind of does in their first cube. And I did the exact same thing when I drafted the cube the first time, like the, uh, power powered, like legacy cube, uh, vintage cube. The first time is yeah. you draft green, black stuff. Yeah. Right. Cause you're like, Oh my God, this removal spell is great. Oh, this removal spell is great. Right. Oh, this is a, this is a really good creature. And you end up with like, what would be the best, like corset draft you had ever done. <laughs> but it's terrible for your cube draft. Yeah, because like your opponents are doing synergistic things that work really well together. Right. You get comboed out on turn three and your kill spell rotted in your hand. Yeah. Or they, they're just doing something on that you can't interact with. And yes, all of your cards are individually powerful, 
but mm-hmm. all of everyone's cards are individually powerful. It's who constructed the best deck. Yeah. Right. Another thing is in a regular draft set, right? Mm-hmm. Limited resources cold calls the gold uncommons, the signpost uncommons. Because they right. tell you what each color pair is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what is it? Trumpeting Gnar, the yeah. blue-green guy, is a mutate thing that gives you a 3-3 when it mutates or something mutates onto it. Mm-hmm. Blue and green wants you to mutate, right? right. Uh, the the red-green 4-3 that gives things that if things have trample, they can... Uh, what is it? They can deal damage as if they weren't blocked. Yeah. It wants you to have big things with trample. Red and green yeah. is big trampling monsters. Mm-hmm. Right? So the uncommon. Red black is menace. Yeah, the red black is menace. Right? You have a. If you remember War of the Spark, was it? Uh, the the blue red uncommon was like one blue red. You make a zombie army with counters equal to the number of instants and sorcerers in your graveyard. Right. Yep. Blue red wants you to play instants and sorceries, mm-hmm. right? So the uncommons are telling you what you're supposed to be doing, right? You have less of that. You don't have those defined archetypes in the cube. There are mm-hmm. archetypes that exist, but right. you can draft. I drafted a blue red, like kind of aggressive tempo deck mm-hmm. and played against a blue red deck that ramped into Ulamog. Oh, Okay. I was like, they was I was like, they kept playing a treasure map, and I was like, bounce it, get in for four, bounce it, get in for four. Then they were like, gilded lotus. I was like, okay, and I didn't hit my sixth land to bounce it with my dream, whatever the the mythic, the four three. Oh yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. And they untapped and ulamogged me and took my two islands. Oh, and I was like, cool, concede. Uh, yeah, but close. like I was playing, you know, one and two drops bounce and counter spells mm-hmm. and they were trying to stay alive and ramp into an Ulamog. Like we were the same colors. Right. But nowhere near the same deck. Wildly different thing. It's not like it's blue, red is this. It's there are shades of things to do in blue and red. I've played against mm-hmm. like blue, red artifact decks. Right, blue red control decks. There are a bunch of different types of decks yeah. within a color pair, and it's finding the cards that go with what you are doing. Okay, that's more important than just saying, Well, I'm blue and red. It's like, Well, you're blue red, what if you're blue red artifacts? Like, Sahili is way more important to you than Ionize, yeah, right. Or Karn is more important to you than Crackling Drake, mm-hmm. right? So it just depends on what version of that you're playing. So, so I got kind of a question for you on this sure. topic then. So how, like, do you actually draft differently? Like when you're drafting, you know, a normal deck for a normal set, you know, the goal is to kind of keep yourself a little open, like through pack one maybe, or at least through your first couple picks to kind of settle into an archetype. When you're drafting a cube like this, do you want to like pick your archetype right off the rip and like try and stick to it? I I think it depends. So I definitely um, have tried to like stay open when I can. So yeah. like like Karn, 
Scion of Urza just pretty much goes in most decks that aren't like super aggressive. So okay. like that's just a good first pick because it's colorless. Like you could end up being mono green, right? Or Sultai or red white, and Karn is probably going to be fine, mm-hmm. right? But like you can like sometimes just take a card and go like, oh, I want to try this. Okay. Right. Like you could take Karn and be like, I'm open, but maybe I want to play artifacts. So mm-hmm. then you see a Sahili. Right. And you're like, well, there's nothing in here that is great. Sahili is like a blue card or a red card. So I'm not committing to two colors. Right. And I can take her and maybe be an artifacts deck. Or if you saw like a steel overseer or something, yeah, you can like, still be kind of open. Yeah, I had someone play like a control deck where they just played Steel Overseer on turn two, made it a 4-4 by just tapping it, yeah. and just like used it as like a Tarmogoyf. Hmm. They were just like, yep, okay, cool, this is my threat. I'm not going to yep. attack with it for a few turns. I'm going to charge it up, and now it's going to be difficult for you to deal with. Yeah. But I tweeted about uh, rage drafting. I don't recommend doing rage drafting, Okay. which is when I get got mad because like I kept drafting these good decks or what looked like should be good decks and just getting clowned by ridiculous cards that I don't know why they're in the cube. Um, (laughs) I Ulamog someone, and then they played a Platinum Angel. They ended the game with no cards in their deck at negative 35, and I lost. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, because they had four cards in hand, and two of their last four cards were counterspells for my last two answers for Platinum Angel. Oh, great. And I was just like, this sucks. So I went pack one, Scorch Spitter. Pack one, pick yeah. one, Scorch Spitter. Pack <laughs> one, pick two, Runaway Steamkin. Yeah. And basically got to take every red card that was open in the cube. Yeah. my And I just had like, I that's the one I 7 2 with and posted like it was a constructed level mono red deck. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend just being like, well, fine, I'm going to just draft mono red and get under everyone. Right. But like if, you know, you take a lightning strike, cause that's just a good removal spell. Right. And then you see a steamkin or uh, a tour brand. You're like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, this I'll take this. And then you get another red card. And you're like, okay, I think I'm just going to be mono red. Yeah. Right. So I would try to stay open, like taking colorless cards that are powerful is just generally good. Yeah. Uh, But you can like, you will come to crossroads where you're like, well, if I take this card, I'm leaning more towards blue red spells. If Mm -hmm. I take this card, I'm going to lead more towards an artifact deck. And if I take this card, I'm going to be more controlling. Which way do I want to play it? And then, you know, you get halfway through your first pack or, you know, to the end of your first pack and you're like, okay, this is my archetype. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes kind of like drafting a regular set where you're like, what card fits best in my archetype? Okay. And sometimes that requires you to do the, well, uh, Rekindling Phoenix is a really good card, but there's also a Crackling Drake. And I'm the blue red spells deck. I think Crackling Drake works better in my deck. Okay. Right. So you make those decisions where you're like, in a vacuum, Rekindling Phoenix is by far the better card. 
Yeah. But this is doing something that my this card is doing something that my deck's missing. Maybe R- Crackling Drake was a good example, but I'm missing this effect in my deck and I need it. Yeah. And I can replace a good four mana sticky threat. Like if you're mm-hmm. blue red, there's not a huge difference between Kefnet and Rekindling Phoenix. Right. Right. They're both four mana beaters that are mythics rewards you for playing a bunch of spells yeah so like if you don't get the rekindling phoenix you can replace that effect Mm -hmm. with a kefnet or even like you take a a spells matter card over your rekindling phoenix and then four picks later you get a crackling drake and Mm -hmm. you know crackling drake you know might be only 50 percent of rekindling phoenix but it might be the card you took over Rekindling Phoenix does so much more for your deck that it's right. well worth it to be like, that is an irreplaceable effect. Mm-hmm. And then I also got this Crackling Drake, so I'm fine. Right. You're going to have to like pick your archetype. It's not going to just be like handed to you. Okay. Another thing is cubes have tons of playables. Right. It's not uncommon that you get done drafting and there are 48 cards in your main deck. Yeah. Right. So you want to make sure you take your lands highly. Yeah, especially if you're, like you said, if you're narrowing down, like honing in on an archetype a little bit earlier, like you're going to get 13th, 14th pick cards that you're going to want to play instead of, you know, your last couple of picks out of a pack are usually trash, off color, whatever. Yeah, and like the last picks sometimes in cube are like, I got a the three mana Chandra. Yeah. As a last pick. Yeah. Like that card is never our last pick in a normal draft. No. So like your your quality of last pick is much higher. Mm-hmm. So, right, we usually play like, you know, 17 lands and you went nine sources of one color and eight sources of another. Mm-hmm. In cube, you should probably end up with two or three or four dual lands in yeah. your deck. So like you you should end up hopefully with a mana base that's closer to, you know, 12, 11, 12, mm-hmm. 10, as opposed to nine, eight. Right. Just so you have a better chance of casting your spells. Yeah. All of, now all of the lands that were legal in arena standard are in this too, right? I think I remember seeing temples, shocks and check lands. Temples, shocks, check lands, the gain life lands are there. Yeah. And the triomes. Okay. I'm trying to figure out uh, guild gates in there? I don't think so. I okay. haven't seen a guild gate. I think the guild gate slot is the gain yeah. is the gain life lands. So yeah, you've got a bunch of dual lands. The triomes sometimes can be just if you're two just two colors, you yeah. take you just take a triome to be your to be your dual land and you don't intend to use the third color. Mm-hmm. Right. But you want to try to take lands a little higher than you normally would. Cause you're just not going to, uh, you're not going to be short on playables. Like I randomly had fired on a, a, a legacy cube draft and LSV was second pick was considering taking a tropical Island. Yeah. He'd taken Coalition Relic, which is just a colorless three-mana mana rock, Mm -hmm. and then was like, I should probably take Tropical Island here, but 
ended up taking Mole Drifter. Well, that sounds like LSV. Yeah. But, like, the Trop was, like, in contention as a second pick. Yeah. It's a little bit different in, like, older cubes because you want to be blue a lot because blue is yeah. just way better. Blue something. Yeah. But you want to be able to to be able to cast your spells. So I'm not saying take your land second, but if you're, like, blue-red and it's like, well, there's this card that'll probably make the cut or there's a steam vents, you just take the steam vents. Yeah. Right. There's probably a replacement for that card. card that's at least the power level of the card that you were going to take. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, the lands are the things that are like less replaceable. Cause there's mm-hmm. like a shock, a check land, uh, a temple, and then a gain land. And then at one try. So there are like five of that effect. Right. But there are a lot of like four mana win cons. Or five mm-hmm. mana win, win cons, right? Like, oh, do I want this steam vents or this charging monstrosaur? Well, if you don't get the charging monstrosaur, you'll get a Skargan Hellkite. And if you don't right. get a Skargan Hellkite, you'll get a Siege Gang Commander. And, like, there are enough things that cost five mana, you can replace that stuff. Mm-hmm. Another kind of general cube rule, and this kind of extends into regular draft, is take the cheaper card. Right. Cheaper mana cost, you mean? Yeah, the cheaper mana cost card, right? Because okay. just like there's a million, there's a million five drops, mm-hmm. right? So if you take, you're limited by how many five drops you can have in your deck. So, but you're not really limited at how many like one and two drops you can have. Right. Right. So again, like lightning strike versus charging monstrosaur. Take the lightning strike. Yeah. There'll probably be another charging monstrosaur like thing that comes around mm-hmm. and now late in the draft right if you've taken the cheap card you can just take whatever stupid expensive thing late in the draft yeah because well now i need a five drop okay whatever five drop comes around is fine mm-hmm. but it's way harder if you if you take a charging monstrosaur like the lightning strikes and the fire prophecies those kind of cheap cards everyone takes those those get taken early yeah. So there are less of those laying around, but there's just a ton of interchangeable big things. Yep. And you want to, because the spells are so powerful, you'll be able to double spell sooner. Yeah. So just being able to have those cheaper cards is good. So just try to err on taking the cheap cards early on, because then that opens you up to be able to take whatever big dumb bomb shows up. Mm-hmm. As opposed to taking the big dumb bomb and then be scrambling for your two and three drops. Right. And like that's even more so when it, I know you said it applies to normal drafting too, but even more so in a cube because like the average power level of the cube is higher. There's going to be more of those things that at six mana will end the game in two turns. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be, it's not like you're like, oh man, if I don't take this six mana rare, I might have to play Colossal Dreadmaw in my draft deck. It's like, oh, if I don't take this six mana mythic, I'll just get the six mana blue mythic from the next set. It's right. going to be in this cube where I'll get the six mana mythic from the, the set after that. Like there's enough of those cards. Yep. So don't worry about like, I have to take this thing. There's going to be something just as good that comes around, but the cheap stuff is better. Mm-hmm. So let's have some impressions about this cube. All right, let's have them. So for this, 
the prize structure for the one on arena is um it's four thousand gold to enter right and i think your break even point is five wins which is kind of a lot right yeah it's usually closer to like four yeah. so they kind of upped it one to five and if you get seven wins it's six thousand gold mm-hmm. i only played one of these and i did not do well but I did see some people complaining online. Surprise, surprise. That, never happens. Yeah. That the payout wasn't great. I kept seeing this repeated. I don't know like how the math broke down or whatever. But I kept seeing that the average person loses 1,500 gold on this. Well, if the average person is 50%, right, that's yeah. like three and a half wins. So I don't know what the payout is for three versus four wins. Okay. But if that's the case, maybe it's like 2,000 for three wins and 3,000 for four. Sounds mm-hmm. about right. And then that would get you somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 gems. Yeah. Or 2,500 gold. And it costs 4,000. Right. So that's your minus 1,500. And like part of the reason why that's not super good for this is because. Like when you're done with a cube, you don't get to keep the cards. Oh, yeah. I guess cubes are phantom, meaning you draft the cards, you play with them, but you give them back to Arena. Or if you're drafting with your friend, you put them back in his cube box. Right. Yeah. You don't don't bring them home with you. Yeah. You don't get to take them with you. They don't get to go in your collection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're... I mean, this is just a gold sink. Pretty much. Yeah. I think I am down 20,000 gold since the cube went up. Whew, that's a big chunk. Yeah. Yeah, we've had two seven twos and we've had a couple oh threes and Ooh. we've had a bunch of like three or four wins. Yeah. And a couple where I broke even. But those like, you know, you lose, you take like the big L, you go yeah. like oh three and then you, uh, you lose like all 4,000 gold. Right. So those really hurt. Yeah. Especially um, if you can only win like 150%. Yeah. If you get, yeah. It's not like you, if you go seven to you get 10,000 gold and you get to make up for a bunch of them. Right. You like, you paid for one and a half drafts by going seven to, I wish the break even point was one lower. Yeah. But I, I don't know. This is the first time they've done this particular thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it will change in the future. Maybe. I guess it depends how popular it is, how much money they make. Yeah, I mean, they made a reasonable amount off of me. So, yeah, yeah, but I could see where that's a problem. So, you said you only played one? Yeah, I only played one. I drafted a pretty questionable Rakdos Sacrifice deck. Um, I made the mistake of not immediately choosing an archetype, and I was kind of waffling between like monsters, like red green monsters and Rakdos sacrifice throughout like pretty much the whole first pack. So I ended up wasting a lot of picks doing that and I just got clowned. I think I won. I think I was two and three when I quit. Okay. You can waffle a little bit just because like the cards are, again, the cards are so powerful. Yeah. Like like, I think that was actually where I went wrong though, because like thinking back now, I forget what even the cards were, but immediately after I was done building my deck, I was like, Oh, I didn't play this card and this card would have been perfect for my archetype. Like, I think I picked a, um, 
uh, questing beast over a Midnight Rider. Yeah. And I ended up being Rakdos Sack instead of Red Green Monsters. The questing beast obviously is better for monsters, but that Midnight Rider would have been perfect for my Midnight sack Reaper? Yeah, Midnight Reaper, sorry. Yeah, that's fine. So, like, if you make that pick, your deck yeah. is, like, infinitely better and it, like, changes all the other picks you make. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. So, things like that, like, can get you, like, off the rails. Mm-hmm. So, I played a bunch. Like I said, I've lost a lot of gold. Uh, <laughs> I think I've had, like, probably two or three five-win decks, two seven-win decks, and then mm-hmm. we have some stinkers in there. Yeah. Uh, I think the format's really, 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 really mid-rangey. Okay. Right, that was like, kind of the impression that we got when they did the cube sealed also, mm-hmm. right? The cube sealed was like play like four or five color good stuff, play all your like your absolute tippy top best cards. Yeah. This has more of like a regular cube feel, mm-hmm. but you do just have the thing where it is like since standard is so mid rangey. Yeah. And that, that's where you're pulling from. You just end up playing a value deck. You end up playing a value deck which I will get back to why I think that's a problem later on. Other than the fact that like the, a lot of the games end up being the same. Yeah. And like blue green is kind of where you want to be. There's a lot of blue green X decks that like end up getting played. Okay. Like I, we were talking about it and talk about cube in the chat and Logan was like, look at this awesome hand. I get a four uh, turn for uh, Chandra, uh, big Chandra, six mana Chandra. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Hinterland Harbor, Steam Vents, uh, <laughs> Paradise Druid, Chandra, and Mindstone. And it's yeah. like, yep, random tamer deck. Good on <laughs> you. I think that the aggressive decks are fine, but they're not like super good. Yeah. So in like Vintage and Legacy Cube, Red is called the Fun Police. Right? Okay. Because you draft a good mono red deck in Legacy or Vintage Cube, you just kill people on turn four. Okay. Like it's it's great. And I drafted, you know, I might have been missing a couple cards from being the absolute like nut uh mono red deck, mm-hmm. but I was still having people casting like six and seven drops against me. Oh, when wow. I went when I went like one, two, three, like clear a block or attack you, and then they're like Ugin. And I'm like Ooh. I'm like, what the hell? How how have I like run you down and you're still like six minute planeswalker? Right. So like that is my experience is the 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 aggressive decks are gonna punish when a deck is like the four color good stuff deck mm-hmm. that stumbles on mana or has like eight tap lands yeah. and just can't play their spells on curve. Like the red decks run those down, but they have a hard time with like if if a deck's on curve, they have a really hard time kind of keeping up. They don't just like snowball and bury you. Yeah. So that's a bit of a problem because since the aggressive decks aren't a super big threat, people mm-hmm. get to like kind of do whatever big mid rangey thing they want to do. Okay. A thing I haven't liked about the cube is like because everything's so mid rangey and like value oriented, mm-hmm. the the mill cards, at least in my opinion, have been like really good. 
I've okay. tried a couple times to make a like dedicated mill deck, and it hasn't worked out for me for whatever yeah. reasons. But the fact that a lot of the mill cards are just randomly good in other strategies, right? Right. Like I've played against blue white flyers that play psychic corrosion. Yeah. And you're like, you're playing a game on an axis of like, okay, I'm killing their creatures. I'm drawing extra cards. We're, we're fine here. And then it's like psychic corrosion. And you're like, Oh, it resolved. I'm blue, red or blue, black. I can't ever remove that permanent. Right. We're in the mid game and I've got 15 cards in my deck. Yeah, and now all of a sudden you're playing a completely different game. Yeah, and that seems to happen a lot. I was playing against like a mono black. That's right. We're, we're talking about getting milled out by mono black. Yeah. Because they just slammed an Ashiok at uh, the towards the end of the game, and I was like, like you had like nothing. I like had run you out, and I was like, oh, I'm going to cast this Hydroid Crisis, and they're going to build me out now. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, oops. You know, I've got like. 12 cards in my library and it's like oh, I can crisis for four right and they're gonna mill me out and I'm not gonna be able to kill them in time well yep. great so like that's not been cool like they just like I've I can't make the dedicated mill deck work mm-hmm. uh like I've tried it like Esper with a bunch of like sweepers and removal and like no creatures I've tried like more almost like mono blue but just like randomly like the random patient rebuilding out of like blue green ramp. Yeah. Seems to be where those cards are like best. Yeah. Where it's just like, Oh, here's this thing. Okay, cool. Now you've got to worry about this. And I'm also over here like ramping or doing something else. But then there's this other permanent that like you have to deal with. And it's super, it's not been fun. Yeah. Right. There's only like one card that's not one of those kind of like almost like do nothing enchantments mm-hmm. that's like mill oriented and that's uh Merfolk secret keeper. Right. But there's not like any other mill support. It's like, Hey, just slam this enchantment. And if your opponent can't kill it. Yeah. Cool. And so, like you said, because, because the cube is so big, you don't get a lot of duplication too. Right. It's like mainly just singleton. What do you mean? Like when you're drafting the deck, you're not going to get like two or three Merfolk Secret Keepers. Oh, no, no. Well, it's Singleton. So, yeah, you're not going to just mill someone out with Secret Keepers. Right. But like you get like a Jace, an Ashiok, and a Psychic Corrosion. Yeah. And like like that's like the deck. I think think I've been milled out like four or five times. Wow. Yeah. It's like not like it's not that it's just every once in a while. It's just all the time like you're like, oh, I guess I have to do this now. Yeah. And there's not a ton of great enchantment removal, mm-hmm. right? There's Thrashing Brontodon, uh, Reclamation Sage, mm-hmm. Mortify. Is Wilt in this? I think. I think so. I, I think I remember seeing it. Yeah. But there's not a ton. Like, those those permanents kind of stick, and you're just like, oh, won't come. Yeah. So I, I wish I wish you it, it wasn't just like these these cards that are like I have here like there's always there's like a lot of mill packages that are around where it's like mm-hmm. one or two cards but they're one or two cards that can just win the game on their own. Yeah, we've already heard my rant against Platinum Angel. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think Golos is really powerful. Yeah, 
I've taken it first pick a few times. Okay. And the hard part is making the mana work. I've tried it mainly in like ramp shells mm-hmm. where like I have migratory path or grow from the ashes to be able to go get some basics to get my yeah. colors. I, I tweeted out, uh, I think I went five, three with this deck, but I tweeted out um, on turn four, I Ulamog someone. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, Lana war elf into Mindstone into Golos get uh, the last color of land uh, I needed play my fifth land activate and I hit patient rebuilding and Ulamog sweet I exiled two swamps I left him with a 2-2 and a Phyrexian arena <laughs> and a swamp nice and conceded yeah Ulamog has gotten me the most con- concessions like I've resolved it like on turn five just by ramping into it yeah concede uh, yeah. um, that's a hard card to come back from that is a hard five. card to beat yeah yeah. but Golos is good just because like it's just so much value and it starts you out colorless so you can kind of build whatever deck you want around it right because like I mean ideally you are casting Ulamogs off of it but just paying 7 mana and getting drawing 3 cards and getting 10 mana yeah right it doesn't matter if that 10 mana is an Ulamog or, uh, you know, an elf, a biogenic ooze, mm-hmm. and like a random four drop. Right. Right. That's still, you, you went seven mana, turned it into 10, and you drew three cards. Like that mm-hmm. card's great. So I think like early on, you can take it and make it work. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a lot of blue green X decks. And kind of a hallmark is I feel like there's a lot of counter spells in this deck in this cube. Okay. Like I feel like there's every three mana counter spell is in the cube. Just all the bad draft ones. Just all the bad draft ones. Plus like quench, negate, essence, scatter, essence, capture, ionize. Yeah. I just feel like there's, a, and then you've got frilled mystic and uh, the shore shark or not the shore shark, uh, the great shark, great shark. and uh, spell pierce. I just feel like there's a lot of counters, and the blue-green decks really can leverage those well. Yeah. Because they have extra mana, so mm-hmm. they can still they can play at sorcery speed and then still have counter up. Yeah. So I think that they're, those decks get played a lot, and you know there's Uro and Grow Spiral and all the stuff we've been talking about. Circling back to, like, there aren't a ton of aggressive decks. Mm-hmm. I think I've played against one or two mono red decks out of the like I don't know 30 or probably more than that probably close to like 50 or 60 games I played mm-hmm. maybe more so very few like mono red decks I don't think I've played against mono white at all no no like mono black devotion or mono green or anything I have played probably against two mono black decks but they've been like there's been like mono black uh, like mid rangey stuff. Yeah. I don't think there was like a, I don't think I was being garyed. I'm sure there was, it could have been a Gary in there. Yeah. Uh, this is another thing. Like black does this really well with reassembling skeleton. Mm-hmm. Just having weird random. I think we've used this term before, like pocket synergies. Right. Are really good. Like someone who goes like reassembling skeleton into Iara. Yeah. That's really good. Right now. They're going to like draw a card 
and drain you for one every turn for two mana and have a chump blocker. Or I've had people uh, weaponize the monsters with that. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. Where it's four mana for a shock, but it's just repeatable over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like the whole Punishing Fire thing. You look at Punishing Fire, and it doesn't look like an egregious card until you can return it every turn. Yeah, until it gets cast 12 times. So there are like these little little synergies that pop up that you're going to see from time to time and be like, oh, that's something I should keep in mind. If you have an Ayara and a Midnight Reaper and some other thing that uh, gets value from you sacrificing something. Yeah. Right? There might be a Murderous Rider and a a Reassembling Skeleton. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want the Reassembling Skeleton instead of the Murderous Rider because... It fits your synergy better. Yeah, it does things that Murderous Rider can't do and already works with the cards you have. Yep. And then, like, when you know that things are going well is when you think, I'm going to take this Murderous Rider because this uh, Reassembling Skeleton is going to wheel. Right. Like, no one's taking any of your black cards. And, like, that's when you have to get a sense of, like, what's open and what other people are taking and, like, mm-hmm. how people value cards. Yeah. But, like, just being able to make those calls is when the deck's, your deck gets really good. That mono mm-hmm. red deck I had, I was like, oh, I want to take this. There was, like, a Lightning Strike, a Fire Prophecy, and a One Drop. And I was like, well, I want to take the lightning strike because I don't have a lot of reach in this deck. Yeah. And the one drop came around. Sweet. And I was like, awesome. I want like I almost took you and then I took this. Uh, I got both cards I wanted. Yeah. So like that's when you know like, okay, like, oh, I got a last pick Shauna at the end of turn two or uh, end of pack two. I get all the red cards in pack three because no yep. one's going to take them. And then something that's missing is there aren't really combo decks. Yeah. In in the format, which I know we had no combo decks from the combo player, but it's kind of odd for a cube though, right? Yeah, like I've not seen anything that's like comboy. There's a lot of like grindy value stuff. Like I said, reassembling skeleton and Ayara, or reassembling skeleton weaponized monsters. Yeah. You know, Uros, all these things that are like getting you value. But there's not any kind of like combo stuff. Mm-hmm. And even the ramp decks aren't great. Like your ramp targets aren't awesome. Yeah. There's not that pressure on like the mid range, like kind of grindy decks to be like, oh, like they're going to go way over the top of me and mm-hmm. play, you know, in like in Legacy or Vintage Cube, they're going to like you know, go over the top of me and play a crater hoof right. where they're going to natural order into a crater hoof. I can't like sit around here and goof around with like, bring back my one, one and throw it at you. Like that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. But that's like, and race forerunners is fine and all, but it's not crater. hoof. It's not crater hoof. And right. There's not like a spell based combo. Like I've not seen a thousand year storm. Yeah, I don't recall seeing one either. I ha- I haven't looked at the list. Yeah. I feel like I've seen every card in the cube. Yeah. But I've not seen that. Like, that would be a card that could let you, like, play a combo deck. Right. Would it be not great? Probably. But could it win on turn, you know, seven? Mm-hmm. And, like, make it so there was, like, oh, hey, I can't just, like, goof around over here. 
and like play this like super long dirtly game i have to like be doing something right and i think that a lot of the decks don't have anything to do because they're not getting punished by the aggressive decks and there's not a combo deck and like your ramp payoffs for going way over the top of that stuff is like ulamog but it's like ulamog and it's end race forerunners and then it's like five drops yeah. Like, I think one of the best, like, ramp cards is uh, Voracious Hydra or Hydra okay. Crisis. Like, those yeah. are, like, your ramp payoffs when they're good, but, like, they're not. They don't just end the game They don't just end the game on the spot. Like, it's not like, oh, man, I got got. It's like, yeah. well, I've drawn, like, seven extra cards this turn. I guess I'll just kill this Crisis. There's still three cards behind me. Yeah. It's fine. So. Like I wish they had something else to kind of push the mid range decks because a lot of a lot of it feels the same. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's probably because the card pool is so small though they're still working with what's been on arena. Yeah, that is that is what it is. Like there's not, you know, you know, like Crater Hoof is a card that's like been printed once will never be printed again because it's right. like too good. Yeah, it's right? not going to show up in Return to Zendikar. Yeah, you're not going to get like a na- natural order. Where it's like, sack a green creature and then go get any green creature. Yeah. Right? Now it's all like, sack a a creature, get something that has two more mana for the mana cost. It's not just like, what do you want? Get it. Right. So, just not having a way to like vary the gameplay. Like, it sucks when you play um, Vintage Cube and you like die on turn two. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, that's what you signed up for because your deck can probably kill someone on turn two. Right. And, like, that probably feels way better than di- than dying on turn two feels bad. Right. And, like, this is just, it's all a lot of, like, grindy stuff and you're not getting that, like, you know, like, oh, hey, like, I got to do my really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Your really cool thing a lot of times is, like, you know. Play your five drop on turn four. Yeah, play your five drop on turn four. And every so often you're, like, spin the wheel of Golos and get the biggest hit in the cube. Yes. Yeah. Like you get that sometimes, <laughs> but as the card pool gets bigger, the gameplay will probably vary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So we're going to have a, a bad beat story in context, like full context right. based on Twitter here. Here we go. So it's like 10 o'clock or so here on the East coast. And okay. I like fire up my fire up my draft. I think draft. I think it's like my first or second game of that draft. And I'm paired against uh, three letters L S V. Oh man, really? Yes. So nice. he's playing like a blue white flyers deck. I'm playing like some blue red something. I think it was it was a mill deck. Yeah. I had like kiln fiend is just like a blocker couple like early blockers a bunch of sweepers uh i play a kiln fiend he like plays a bunch of flyers i flame sweep everything i stick a folio of fancy i have him draw some cards i'm gonna start milling him out and then i hit a golos he's got like eight cards nine cards in his library and he's got a board but like i did the math like okay can't kill me and so I play my Golos. I'm like, well, I'm going to activate my Golos because I'm looking for a time wipe because I had a time wipe in my deck. It's like, if I time wipe, I'm fine. Yeah. And he has a uh, a momentary blink that he can flash back. 
momentary blink blinks a creature it flashes back for three and a blue yeah play whatever i got off golos and pass the turn he plays athos's oracle with a mentor of the meek out and oh, i know and i now i have a counter spell on my hand but i tapped out for golos right and like activating golos and puts a card on top after he looks at like five or i think six cards with his uh thassa's oracle and then draws that card with his uh mentor of the meek trigger yeah flashes in a brazen borrower which now gives him enough devotion when he blinks his thassa's oracle to kill me oh no so I was like, LSV, why are you up at 8 o'clock? So then I'm randomly on Twitter, and he's like, the only thing that'll make me happy getting up at 6.30 in the morning is uh, smoking meats in my smoker. So I lost to, like, a groggy LSV who was barbecuing, drinking <laughs> his coffee, and still beating me. I was like, oh, I would have just not activated my Golos. I had him covered. Like, he had nothing. Like, he was going to get milled out next turn. It was yeah. fine. But I was like, no, I'm going to activate this Golos. Because, like, woo. And, like, not woo. <laughs> but, yeah, like, sleepy, like, in his PJs LSV. With, like, yeah. one, ha- with one hand in a smoker. Got me. And I was like, ah. Drinking his funny coffee. Yeah, drinking his Madrinus uh, iced coffee. Yeah. I'm like, ah, jeez. So there you go. There's my, uh, I shouldn't have tapped out and just held up my counterspell uh, <laughs> story of the day. Oops. Oops, yeah. So we did a whole bunch of arena there. We did. We're going to move to the official arena section. Okay, official <laughs> arena section. Official arena section time. There isn't much of an arena section. There, There is not. Yeah. I'm not super thrilled with standard right now. It's kind of stale and doesn't matter because it's all going to change when core 20 comes out or 21 comes out, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, I don't really see how that set can come out and not change standard. Like, it seems really pushed, right? It does. I, I do worry that some of the push cards are uh, of the green persuasion. Yeah. And uh, that can only strengthen the green decks that we already have yeah which has been a problem right i mean reprint alert like scavenging ooze is really good scavenging ooze is great and is great against uros so like now you're gonna have all these like uro fights right where people are like they play in ooze and then like what do i play my do i play my uro because they're gonna eat my uro but i do something on turn three but yeah so because we're not super hype and even if we adopted a deck and, you know, shepherded it all the way through college, uh, <laughs> it's not going to matter. Right. Because there's not going to be... It's all going to be different. It's all going to be different. He's going to get through college and going to, you know, I don't know, have robot overlords now. Sure. His college learning is not going to matter. So yeah. we're probably not going to adopt a deck again until July. It yeah, seemed like people like, like or- that just from, like, people asking if we would adopt different decks or yeah. stuff. But, you know, we'll come back to this. Don't you worry. Yeah. I know um, when a new set drops, I like to play limited for the first, you know, week or two after it comes out anyway. So, yeah. I figure we'll get through pre-release weekend and release on Arena, whatever, and then maybe a week or two of, you know, doing some limited stuff. Because we have some people that ask for limited content also. Yeah. 
and uh, we'll do that and then maybe circle back to adopt a deck. Like, I don't know if I'm going to have time to do uh, 50 drafts again, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, so I bought the Mastery Pass, and you do get a draft token, which okay. is worth, uh, I think, a premier draft is 1,500 gems. Okay. So you get about 2,300 gems worth of value out of the pass. Okay. Out of the Mastery Pass between the 800 gems you get plus the, the draft plus the token. Draft. Yeah. So if like so that's where they get the the money back. So mm-hmm. if you if you're going to use the draft token and you want like, you know, 20 random packs to, you know, get random wild cards, mm-hmm. it's uh probably not a bad deal, but just be yeah. mindful that you're not going to just get a bunch of of gems. Right. It's crazy like opening like old I opened a bunch of old packs and it was like like it's like, "Oh, I guess I didn't have four citywide bus. Oh no! <laughs> and then oh, I didn't. I guess I didn't have four vivid revivals. Yeah. Like oh man, yeah. Okay, arena complaint time. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Temples. I know, right? Yeah. Like I heard different things where, like, on arena deck list, you're like, well, you know. You don't have to burn your wild cards for them. It's like no, every t- there are going to be sixteen packs I open on, uh, for this set that are just a card that I'm going to end up with eight of, right? That I can't do anything with. Yeah, and it's the exact same art. The only thing that changes is the set set symbol. Yeah, it's like, why are you doing this to us? Yeah, and like I understand that there's like. Maybe they want to have it in there for competitive reasons, mm-hmm. uh, like to maintain the balance in this in the colors. Yeah, a hundred percent on board with that. But it just kind of feels like, hmm, yeah. like why are you like why am I getting the exact same land? And like this is something they've not had to deal with before. Like, mm-hmm. is this the first time? Because there are five the five rare lands in this set. Yeah. Are reprints. One, three, What is six? Because of Fabled Passage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have the five temples plus Fabled Passage. Oh, yeah. Fabled Passage, too. I've already got all my Fabled Passages. Yeah. So, like, there's a bunch of rares you're going to open that just aren't going to do anything for you. Right. And you can't trade them or dust them or anything. Yeah. you You can't be like, hey, Arena, don't give me any of these. Yeah. Give me these other rares that I want and I want to play with. Right. So, like, that's that's a little awkward. I wish there was a way that you could mitigate that. Yeah. And But I'm sure in, like, their mind, they're like, I just need them to open packs. It'd well, be, right, but that's not going to incentivize you to open packs. Yeah, but, like, if you want some human rogue 1-1 flash black guy, what, what is it? Like, thieves, rogues, den or something? Guild? Yeah. Right? If you want those, right? If you open a pack and you get a Temple of Epiphany, yeah, you have to open another pack to get your to try to get your guy, yeah, right. So it's not going to incentivize you to open packs, but if you want a certain card, you're going to have to open packs to get it. Yeah, that's true. And, and I guess just, you got to open packs to get your wilds too. Yeah, it's just going to like eat, you know, twenty of your pack opens with yeah, cards you already have, right? I mean, it's. When it's a 25, com- right? 20, 20. No, no, 20. Yeah, you're right. 20, no. 24. 24. Wow. 
There you go. A podcast where we do math badly. Um, yeah, that was way harder than it should have been. It's way harder than it should have been. Math is not our strong suit, apparently. But, <laughs> like, it's fine when it's, like, a common or an uncommon. Yeah. So I have 12 shocks with the same art. I've like, got 16 duresses. Yeah, it's like, whatever. That's fine. But when it's, like, your rares and people are having a hard time building decks because they're lacking, like, rare wild cards yeah. or... Right, you have to use less wild cards when you actually open those rares. Yeah. Right. I'm sure I'm gonna be like, you know, a little grumpy when I open, you know, when I like open ten packs and it's like all the temples. I'm just like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Or when you crack your first sealed on arena and you get two temples in there and you're like, wow, awful. These are both awful as cards for my sealed pool and cards from my collection yeah right because like when you opened a sealed and you got a rare land before you're just like oh at least this goes in my collection right i hope this is not a trend where they like keep reprinting rares well i mean it's kind of disappointing in general like aside from arena because we really need some allied land for pioneer right yeah like the the Kaladesh, uh, well, not the Kaladesh, the... Uh, it would be the Scars Fastlands. The Scars Fastlands. Yeah. Right? And, or even the, we could have done Painlands. Like, do we yeah. have, do we have the... the yeah, do we have the Allied Painlands? No, we only have the enemies. Yeah, like, you could have done the Allied Painlands where, like, on Dominaria, like, yeah. Atacar Waste is a place that Teferi has hung out before. Yep, Carpolson Forest. Yeah, so like they could have done that. That probably swings the balance of mana to too yeah. much into like one wedge or a color pair because then like Gruel gets 12 dual lands, right? Because you get the shock, the, the pain land, and the temple. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I can understand like for a balance reason they want to do that, but. Like the core set is where you can just throw in random lands that are tied to Dominaria from, you know, a million years ago. Yep. So I don't know why they didn't just do something like that and like reward people on Arena mm-hmm. plus a like, you know, make their new shiny format better. Yeah. We could have had like tainted lands too, right? They were on Dominaria. Tainted lands? I don't know these. I probably do, but um, like dual lands, but only if you have a certain basic land type in play. Oh, okay. I think. Right. It's like I tap for green, but if you have a swamp, I also tap tap for black. I don't think they do anything unless you have a certain land type in play. Okay. And I mean, we have like the shocks in the triome, so that would like work. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, they tap for a colorless, and then if you have, like, the tainted wood is the green-black one. So they tap for a colorless, and then they tap for green or black if you have a swamp. Oh, okay. And, like, that would be reasonable. Yeah. And it would also give, like, Pioneer something different as well. Yeah. And they would work as, like, you know, that would be a replacement for Temple of Malady. Right. So that would be fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Wizards dropped the ball here. Yeah, I think so too. 
crap, we need we need four uh, rare lands for this. What did we give them last time? Temples. Run it back. Just change the set symbol. Done. Yep. Get them again. Get them again. It's fine. So, with that, I think we have a podcast. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned for our Core 21 episode. We'll be recording that sometime this week for release next week. Yep. Um, I don't know how we're going to work the video episode yet, so I'm not like 100% that that's going to happen. Okay. Well, we did it fine last time. Yeah, but Juan's busy this time, so I don't know. Oh. Yeah, like I don't know even if we record video to give to him, I don't know how usable it's going to be for him. Oh, okay. So That's we'll fine. work on that. Maybe we'll have a video episode like we normally do. Maybe we won't. Either way, we will have an audio episode. You guys will have that uh, to have in your back pocket going into Core 21. I think we talked briefly about doing a Jumpstart episode too. For some reason, I'm excited about that set. I don't know why. So we might do something for Jumpstart too in a couple weeks. I'm just waiting on them to, to have printed a black remove all permanent all counters from target permanent and uh, instant speed uncounterable and uh, green black <laughs> demonic tutor for lands. Just green black <laughs> get a land put on the battlefield. I'm just I sure. figure this is the set for that. Maybe like we didn't play test these for uh, formats that aren't the jumpstart format. Like cool, thanks. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen, right? Why did you break Vintage and Legacy again? Yeah. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting because it's, what is it, 121 different packs? I thought it was more than that. Maybe it was. I thought I saw someone say it was 121. Yeah. I thought I saw 155. Okay. A lot of just yeah, different it's a lot. packs. So yeah, like, they're like 20 card mini decks. Yeah, so I wonder how big the set is. I don't know. I don't know how much overlap there is between like the archetypes or whatever. Because I mean, this could be a, you know, a mystery booster size set. Yeah. Well, some of those 20 cards, like you don't have to put lands in the packs, do you? Yeah. So some of them are lands. Yeah, that's true. So you get like 12 actual cards and eight lands. Yeah, something like that. So... I guess what you're supposed to do is not look at them. You're just supposed to open them up and shuffle them together. Like, you don't draft them or anything. Yeah, so, well, like, I, the thing I saw was, like, hey, you and your friend buy four packs. You open yeah. the outer pack, and it's, like, you get a pack of, like, dogs, cats, zombies, and merfolk. And mm-hmm. then you decide what combination each of you want to play. Like, I want to play dogs and cats. Okay, I'll play zombie merfolk. Oh, okay. And you shuffle them together. And you have your dog cat deck and your zombie merfolk deck. Gotcha. Is at least how it was explained in some video or something I read. I don't know. Okay. Time is a construct, man. That doesn't mean anything anymore. I don't know how things work. <laughs> it used to six months ago. Six months ago, it meant something. Yeah. It meant that I was going like 07 at a Star City event Whew. with other yeah, people that could see perfect. me. Yeah. As opposed to going 03 in my arena cube draft. <laughs> when you have a deck that's all counter spells and your opponent doesn't play anything and then slams a Carnage Tyrant, life isn't fair. Ooh. I was like hitting land drops. I was like, cool, next turn I'll hit my land drop, have up counter and play like patient rebuilding. 
Carnage yeah. Tyrant. And I was like, well. Yikes. And so I was like, I got to play my patient rebuilding now. I got to like try to get something going. Night of Autumn. I was like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Woo. Okay. <laughs> concede. We're yeah. done. All right. So I take it you didn't find your uh, cruel edict? No, I did not find my, uh, what is it? Chainer's edict. Chainer's edict. Yeah, that's the one. No, 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 no. All right. So if you want to tweet at us your um, cube decks or just uh, things you want us to talk about in Core 20, you can get us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can shoot us an email, show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. We check the email all the time. So, yeah, if you have any deck ideas, any questions about Core 20, anything in particular about Core 20 you want us to touch on, anything about any questions about cube draft or like what archetypes are open, or if you want to do like a what's your pick out of this pack, hit us up at any of those places. Don't forget about our TCG affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. If you want to support us a little bit more directly, and maybe check out some of our sweet exclusive content that we now have. Uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash casual mtg. And I don't think I have anything else this week, do you? Nope. And with that, we'll mm-hmm. catch you on the internet. We will catch you guys on the internet.